Hey, this is Gerds Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Tundel and today I'm just so grateful to share somebody who's empowering women back to their soul's wisdom. Christy Christiansen is a global empowerment coach who's on a mission to empower women and expand their definitions of yoga and well-being. She's a creator of Soul Fire and the co-founder of the Asian-based Kiriana Yoga School and US-based Deep Exhale to provide transformational experiences. Hi, Christy. I'm so grateful to have you on the show and thank you for joining us today. It is such an honor and a pleasure and I'm really excited. <laughs> oh, bless you. So am I. <laughs> I just really can't wait to share your journey with everybody out there because um, I know you've been on such a powerful journey to get where you are now. So I'd love to share what your life was like before you became an imp- a global embodiment coach. What was my life like? That's a great question. Um, well, it's it, it, it kind of requires me going back quite far, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay, so I, from basically the time I could walk, I was engaged very deeply into movement. My mom had a dancing school and we lived in an apartment on top of it. So I was dancing by the time I was two. I was... Yes. I was then into gymnastics and training for the Olympics and gymnastics by the age of 10. Broke my back at 14. My parents made me quit, um, which was devastating. But then my gymnastics coaches encouraged me to try diving, like platform and springboard diving, thinking the water would be more forgiving of my body. So by the time I was 16, my Olympic dreams were like back in action. I moved away from home to train at this amazing training center in Orlando, Florida, went to college for diving. And so, so the reason I start there is that movement has been a part of my existence from, from, from moment one and this drive and this dream to be the best, to be the Olympic champion or to make the Olympic team was the only goal and vision I ever held for my life. And, you know, when I got rerouted the first time, I, you know, struggled quite a bit, but I was still young enough that I still had all this hope in me of like, okay, like I'm going to come up with something else that's going to be just as big and just as grand and just as amazing. And then this diving piece came into play and, and, but at 23, I broke my back for a third time. And that was the end of this whole vision and dream that really in many ways began at age two (laughs) in in, in some capacity. So it'd been my whole life up until that point. So for someone saying, oh, well, many people don't make it to the Olympics. That's not that big of a deal. It's so much more than that because Mm -hmm. my identity of who I was, why I woke up every day, why I did every single thing that I did every day from the workouts we did, from the training that we did, from the people I hung out with, all of it was for was all feeding, right? The same and and goal. And when I went to the doctors that time, 
um, after, you know, I knew I was, I was hurt badly again. Um, the doctor said to me that you're going to be walking with a cane by the time you're 30 years old. Like that's how much damage you've done. And yeah, exactly. So then couple that with movement has been my life. Movement is the only thing I know I'm good at. And now there's Mm -hmm. a chance that I'm not going to be able to move my body freely the way, and I'm going to be walking with a cane at the age of 30. And being such a driven person, it was like, I almost needed people to like, say something like that to me. So extreme, even though I know he meant it, but I was like, yeah, right. I'll show you. (laughs) I'm not going to be walking with no cane at the time I'm 30, you know? And I've had so many of those moments in my life that I don't think the doctor or the therapist or the person thought they knew what they were doing. But mm-hmm. it's it was like the trigger that that really motivated excuse me motivated me to really heal and commit to my healing, and I would say that was kind of this first step. But you know, of course, within that, I I, I was dealing with obviously just devastation and and a lot of feeling of just failure and shame that I didn't accomplish my dream and and you know, not knowing what else I was good at, all the things. So I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and uh, depression. Mm. And, but through this, um, someone who I became, you know, very friendly with invited me to my first yoga class, believe it or not. And, Ah. and yeah. And what was so interesting that again, at that time, back in, you know, 2003, 2002, 2003, like yoga was practicing yoga was, was kind of radical. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't like it is now, like someone inviting you to a yoga class right now is not a big deal. But putting it in a different context, yoga wasn't cool. It wasn't popular. Like, I don't even know if Lululemon existed yet. (laughs) You know, it wasn't what what we see now of yoga was not happening then. And I think it's at those times, though, that you're you're desperate. You know, I was like desperate to feel better. I was desperate to be able to find some hope. And I didn't have it. Like I didn't have access to it. Nothing. I, like everything I thought about was something that was defeating. Um, so I was like, sh- I'll try whatever. Sure, take me to a yoga class. Like not even really knowing what yoga, you know, yoga was. And and I didn't fall in love with the practice right away. But from moment one, it did ignite a curiosity within me. And it was not even from the movements of the practice, but from the breath by breath guidance of the practice. And with all the movement I had done for 20 years, I we, there's never been that emphasis. Maybe when you're lifting weight, it's like, okay, exhale, lift the weight up. But there's no, you know? And yeah. I, so that would be like the first step of this journey, I would say. It was from starting to recover physically, then mentally and emotionally. And mm-hmm. I really credit yoga as this kind of like rebirth and metamorphosis, so to speak, that um, I went to. And it wasn't overnight. It was a, it's, it's a slow journey. And in many ways, I'm still like 20 years in, I'm, I'm still, you know, arriving. And that's what's so incredible about this path of yoga and the spiritual path in general. It, it, it's never over. You just go into deeper and deeper layers and you have the opportunity to flower open. Like I I just, I I think of the lotus flowers, the lotus is the flower that is represented by the chakra system. And that's what's so near and dear to my heart. 
the energy centers of the body, and that that there's just an infinite unfolding of these petals, right? And the, the further we go on the journey and the deeper we go on and more of the lessons that we learn and we integrate and we heal from, more and more petals unfurl and unfold. And we're able to drink in more consciousness. We're able to drink in more divine. And we're to remember more and more and more why we've come to this planet and what we're here to do. Mm, that's so beautiful. And Wow, what a journey you've been on. Wow. Um, <laughs> gosh, there, there were so many aha moments as you were saying everything. And I was just like, yeah, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? How like when people think of sports, they think, oh, yeah, it helps you to get fit and, you know, it helps yeah. you your mind health. But actually, yeah. it's, it's I almost feel like sometimes sports, it can be done excessively. And actually, it's an escapism, whereas with yoga and like spirituality and other like healing modalities, it's like you can't run away from it now. You have to face what you're feeling and be present. Yes. yes. And and that's so amazing that you just said that because I didn't, I mean, I, lo- I loved the sports that I did. Like I loved gymnastics so much that, and it was an mm-hmm. obsession. Like I would be, <laughs> I wasn't at school. I was watching gymnastics or at practice. I was watching gymnastics videos on the VCR. <laughs> I was reading gymnastics magazines or I was practicing my routines in my room. Like I was completely obsessed, but I loved it so, so, so much. But at the other side of it was I was also a victim of abuse and Mm -hmm. it was my escape. And it was the place like I felt safe at the gym. Mm -hmm. I and it's also where which I understand now where I sourced my worth and my validation because I was quite Like, I remember so clearly being 10 years old, and it was at my first competition. It was my first competition, so I actually had no frame of reference if I was good or not. I was just doing it because I loved it, but, like, Mm -hmm. you you don't really, you didn't really know if you were good or not. And I remember watching the awards ceremony at the end, and they're, you know, they're doing eighth place and sixth place and fifth place (laughs) and fourth place. And I remember being like, oh, I guess I'm not very good. Like that oh, was the God. first thing, but I won. So I got wow. first place. But from that moment on, that was all I would accept. Uh, so it was such an interesting moment of like, oh, this is where I belong. Or I, I, I obviously didn't have that. That's not the thought that came to mind. But I was like, oh, but that was my expectation from that point on. And I think it was really where I sourced everything from, from my confidence, from my power, from everything. So when I didn't live up to my own expectations, um, it was it was quite devastating. I think that also plays into why it was so challenging for me on so many levels, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, when when the career was called to a halt based off the injury of I was not sourcing my power from within in any capacity. Um, And I was also not left, I was left to deal with obviously the devastation of my injury, but then I was left to deal with the devastation of everything else I'd been running from. Mm. There was nowhere else to hide anymore. There was nowhere else to hide. (laughs) It's like, you've got to face it now. There's no running. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's so fascinating. And yoga does support that. So, I mean, if you're willing, Right. And I wasn't willing at first because I didn't even know I really needed to. But um, 
there was a, a, a gentleness I learned through yoga and a, um, to let go of the comparison and the competitiveness and the um, and how the practice really served me on all layers of of being right not just um, like healing my physical body was of course was so important but what was equally important or maybe even more important for the long term was like healing my relationship to my body mm. which I wouldn't have been able to I don't think I would have been able to do without um, the practice for me and I don't mean that's going to be everybody's journey but for me yeah I was just going to take it back a bit with you talking about yeah, gymnastics the reason I was laughing is because I did gymnastics from a young age as well so I started when I was five <laughs> oh. yeah. so I understood everything you were saying I was laughing yeah. Yeah. I was the same I used to do so many like practices in my bedroom in the dining room and my parents were like god she's so hyperactive like <laughs> <laughs> moment I was just like things you know backflips yeah. you name it or the splits right. like you're more up, happy upside down than right side yeah. <laughs> so true oh and I used to love the bars and everything and mm-hmm. you're right like when these three competitions happening it does I never actually realized till you said now like how that actually built up my life as well like the worthiness and not realizing it and this thing of being like I need to be successful I need to be perfect that all yeah. started with gymnastics um yes. and like yourself I kind of went through some health problems as well and um I ended up leaving gymnastics I kind of got bored when I was about 14 okay. <laughs> I was right. like is that all there is like I've done these competitions what else is there next like I I, I, got right. my, I think, yeah I think my parents wanted me to go like national level but I was just like oh. mm-hmm. I think I was just yeah, curious you're, you're like I think I need to see what else is out there <laughs> literally um and yeah like later on in my life then I was like I want to be a journalist and like focus heavily on that I needed to be successful and like push myself like ridiculous like I used to do placements work part-time be at like you guys say college we say university everything and anything I possibly could do um and then when I hit gosh when I was about 24 I had a life transformational moment where like I'd had a lot of health problems like growing up till that point um, but I had a cancer scare which actually woke me up and I thought gosh I don't want to live this life the way I am because I was escaping from my reality mm-hmm. I was using mm-hmm. like alcohol to escape from my emotions I was a people pleaser like I self-sacrificed mm-hmm. and I was very angry inside about how people treated me and then mm-hmm. the cancer scare woke me up and I remember thinking it's time to heal and I heard a voice saying it's time to heal yourself and I ran out of the hospital crying because they'd misdiagnosed me um, and I just never yeah <laughs> so you yeah. didn't have cancer no so I was misdiagnosed oh, so wow that those months of going through these emotions I'm thinking I'm gonna die and like drinking oh excessively and, my god yeah, I was like a mess <laughs> can I ask you a question even <laughs> do you think because the first thing I'm thinking is like do you think that was the divine being like I'm gonna give yes. you a really big warning Oh yeah, and I hope I had, you re- yeah. Sorry, I was gonna say yeah, absolutely. Because I, I up until that point, I had so many different things happen. I had like a car accident. I had short-term memory mm. loss. My left arm stopped working when I worked out in Canada. I had to regenerate it. I had oh like depression. God. Yeah, you name it. Yeah. I've had <laughs> so wow. many like situations, and I'd balance, and then I'd go back out again. But I'd never find that balance on a daily like basis and so I felt like, like what you said the divine was like hey you're not listening to me so I'm gonna shake it up now yeah so I'm this gonna is... knock you over the head and like literally bring you to your knees in a way you 
that that literally happen yeah yeah and that happened and then I was made redundant at the same time and it was just like it was just like it was like a life transformational moment for me and then I just went on this journey of like gosh I remember just like healing and like having a radio show and then I ended up having a podcast and then coaching and I was like helping young people but again I I kind of became I, I started the healing process but I hadn't slowed down in my business so again mm. the universe knocked again when I was 27 when um I had a kidney problem but actually it turned out to be a kidney defect um and I didn't find that out till my late 20s and the mm. divine again was like you can create a business but you can also look after yourself and again mm. I'd done so much healing at that point um mm. but I thought oh yeah no I'm fine I can live off three hours sleep for like three years right. stupid thing to wow. do <laughs> wow yeah yeah so now you're going to have to sleep 13 hours a day, whether you like it or not. Now you're going to have right. to have an operation. You're going to have to slow down. And so now I'm in my mid-30s and like it really like it was traumatic because it was like, ah, I left the journalism world. Now I'm doing this business. Ah, like who am I? Like you said, what's this identity yeah. I have? And I had to really go in and like heal old blocks. Like you said, the, there was deep emotional blocks that I didn't realize that were there. And I had to dive in and really clear those. And now life is just so much easier like wow that's so beautiful yeah and like yoga in my life has been there gosh since I was a child my mum has been doing yoga since I was a kid as well um no way (laughs) that's amazing I often wonder like I wonder if I would have been so messed up if I would have started yoga earlier Yeah, well, my mother this this book called Richard Hittleman. I never used to understand why she did it as a kid, but I'd follow her and just just follow okay. what she was doing. But then it was later on in life when I when I started to have these you know emotional blocks and I, or I was like running around that she'd be like she just said take this book you'll be and just follow the practices and that's what I did and it slowed me down and my body mm-hmm. I just felt this mm-hmm. connectedness. But then I started running again <laughs> and then come back mm-hmm. and run yeah. again. Yeah. I learned a lot with yoga and I learned a lot by the divine doing what the divine did to both of us really Mm -hmm. for sure for sure and I do think that there's something for people that you know at such an early age like you and I that were training at such a high level Mm -hmm. um, and especially I mean it could be any sport but especially individual sports I feel like um where it is just you right you're we don't have the same team camaraderie as you know a football or a basketball team like it's like you win or lose based on you and (laughs) I I I feel like there's something that that comes out of that and and um at least for me and the coaches that I had very early on you were taught to push through pain you were taught to ignore any of your own primal instincts of fe- right of fear first of all you had to right who's going to do Gosh. a backflip on a four inch wide beam <laughs> if you have fear yeah. right you, you're out of your mind you know um so you're like you're overriding your fear you're overriding your pain you know you're overriding your instincts of this is too much because your coach is teaching you that it is right because if you're injured you can't train and so i think even the idea of what you're saying of of you know thinking you can survive on three hours of sleep is almost <laughs> residual of that right because we were yeah. taught for how many years five ten years twenty years depend you know for even you five to fourteen that's still nine years to like yes you can you can override any kind of pain any kind of exhaustion anything <laughs> that you think you can't do and and you and you and you can do it um, and I, I do think that's 
it the the plus side of it is like it gives you this tremendous drive and will and um to go after something right but then it does the other as well of driving you into the to the mud and maybe for the wrong reasons right if it's are you doing it just for that validation are you doing it just to feel enough are you doing it is it the perfectionist that's driving it versus actually that coming from that place of service of really wanting to help and heal yourself and heal the world Mm, that's so fascinating that's really fascinating actually I'm just sat here just like absorbing everything and just thinking gosh even my career path in journalism was the same it was perfectionism has to go to the top it's competitive needed to thrive yeah that's amazing actually Mm. it's kind of seeing the pattern there actually in what you're saying I guess that's why both of us went into career paths later down the line at that point because we thought that's normal <laughs> yeah of course of course like I used to get so frustrated when um so I used to uh run a, a yoga business with like a, a like a brick and mortar you know with brick and mortar locations wow. and studios and and when I would be hiring people and they didn't have that <sighs> drive that I have and like that w- and I would I would get so frustrated and be like what is wrong with you <laughs> you not care about anything <laughs> and I just be like laid back whatever get your work done or not <laughs> I'm like this job isn't that hard <laughs> and then of course me would be like I'll do it all you're all fired I'll do it all because <laughs> <laughs> I also didn't know how to work as a team right because it was always just me you know and everything I learned in that way I, I applied to everything again not with conscious awareness but it's it's actually really it, it now it's really funny to like look back at it and just be like oh wow like the things that we do as little beings like how they really do shape who we are <laughs> so um, and how like the deep healing comes from sometimes deconstructing some of those shapes but um you know just seeing that there's there's light and shadow in everything and mm-hmm. uh, and how do you how do you you balance those uh those lights so that you can reflect a rainbow versus an out of control something I don't know tornado. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. a rainbow versus a tornado I love it <laughs> yeah wow gosh it does yeah it really makes sense I actually never really saw it that way until you said it today it's like wow it's <laughs> blowing my mind thank you <laughs> you're welcome it's what being in the flow brings out right yeah. oh, exactly right <laughs> you're right yeah so I just want to go back a little bit so like yes. um so you know you went on this journey you you finally got down on the mat what was yeah. the next thing that happened to you so you know yoga became your life but what happened next on your journey um well first I was you know yoga like the practice of yoga just became um, kind of like the anchor point of my life in in many ways. Like I never actually thought I was going to be a yoga teacher. I thought um, the practice was what was helping me heal and just like saving my soul in so many ways, you know, of like coming back into enjoyment with life and, um, and, and like, like I talked about before of like having that hope and having, um, you know, being able to start to cultivate new dreams. And I never thought that yoga was going to be what I did because it was something I held so sacred that um, I couldn't even imagine I would be, you know, deemed worthy <laughs> of teaching yoga because <laughs> that's how, which, which with such high wow. esteem, I held the practice. 
Um, and, but I, of, of course, the divine works in such interesting ways. I started working for a company called um, Exhale Mind Body Spa, and they created um, these beautiful, like urban retreat centers. They wanted to create something for like in, in markets that were big cities in the U.S. that where people like us are working like crazy and pushing ourselves to the limit and aren't going to take five days off to go on a retreat. <laughs> How could they give you like a slice of that, whether it was in one hour or four hours or whatever time you could mm. um, make, make time for in, in a single day? So, and again, like things like this exist now, but at this time, earlier 2000s, like this again was kind of radical and, and revolutionary. So it was a combination of these um, acupuncture and massage and like results oriented, you know, facials. They actually called all the spa therapies like healing, healing modalities or something like that. And then they had yoga and then they had bar classes that were kind of their proprietary programming. And I started working for them. I got actually hired as a, a bar teacher and quickly they realized I had managed managerial skills and I started running their movement part their movement um, division. Then I had access to like unlimited classes and free yoga and free trainings. And so I was kind of getting a little bit of the best of both worlds because I still had that mindset that I was going to take over the world in the sense of like, I was like, oh, I'm, this company is going to be mine in five years was, you know, I still had that kind of drive, but then I had the yoga to, to like be fueling me and being my place to, um, you know, to keep that was kind of my self-care, um, for lack of a better way to, to say it in many ways. And, um, and then I was living in New York City at the time, and they were opening their first location outside of New York and, in Boston, Massachusetts. And they wanted someone who knew the brand to move there and open the location. So I ended up going there. Um, Boston and I did not get along at all. <laughs> it was yeah. not the city for me, but I met an amazing, amazing teacher while I was there. Um, who was from California. And her name is Shiva Ray. She's probably been the most, uh, lack of a better way to say it, impactful or famous white woman in West in yoga that's affected like the Western world in yoga. And again, I didn't know that at that time, like this is before Instagram and Facebook and th there wasn't, you know, that same idea of these like yoga celebrities, but she was like the original yoga celebrity, I guess you could say. Um, and I took a, a class with her. She came to teach at the studio and, and my mind was just blown. It was the practice of yoga I was doing before that point had, was, was completely different practice. And I was still very new. So I didn't know that there were different kinds of yoga at that point. Um, and something clicked in me in that moment that I was like, okay, like whatever this is, like, I need to like figure it out because I think that was the first time, like, even though yoga was like feeding my soul and all these things, I, I still didn't really understand like the difference between spirituality and religion. And I didn't really understand that yoga was a spiritual practice and what that meant. Like I knew it made me feel good and it was helping my anxiety and my body was healing and like, it just, I, but I couldn't explain it. And I feel like that first class with her, I had this experience of like the energy body, you know, that, and that, and also through movement and through breath that I could connect to something larger than me and that larger being the divine. And at that time I had never had an experience like that. And uh, <clears throat> after I 
was finished with my contract in Boston, I decided I wanted to move to LA. And um, yeah, so I, I ended up moving to LA and ironically, um, at Exhale at that point, the same company was was taking over a yoga studio there and opening a, lo- a, a standalone location there as well. And they're like, well, if you'd like to stay working for us, we can give you a job. And I was like, great. And ironically, the same woman, Shiva Ray, ended up working for me. <laughs> so she was one of the teachers at the studio that um, I then ran for the next seven years. And this studio was like, it doesn't exist anymore, but it was like the Mecca of, of <laughs> yoga in the U.S. and in so many ways, or at least the West Coast. And all the all and, and then now I learned that there are lots of famous yoga teachers. So like all the literally like the most famous master level teachers were all teaching at this center. Wow. And this was before yoga festivals. And uh, mm. so for the only way to to like what the beautiful thing about a yoga festival was like you could go to this festival and you could take from all these amazing teachers. Well, our roster of our daily classes was like a yoga festival. Like that's how level and amazing it was. And I got to just like, I say I grew up there, you know, even (laughs) though I was in my thirties, I grew up there because I was managing and running the studio. But then like, I got to, I got to play and take all of their classes every day and do their workshops and their trainings. And it was just such a magical, magical time. And we got to do so much incredible stuff. And that's when like literally my whole path of yoga again, you know, it's like there were all these different layers (laughs) to the, (laughs) the awakening and and to my teaching and to, um, but uh, that, that I feel even now I kind of chuckle about it because like I said, from that first yoga class, I never imagined I would be teaching yoga. And then all the jobs that I ended up taking or that opportunities that were offered to me were like putting me in these position to like, mm. <laughs> to get the best training in the world yeah. or, to get the, you know, <laughs> or to just to even just be around these, um, incredible, incredible, um, you know, men and women as even just, you know, role models and seeing all the different ways in which, you know, you can live and you can support, um, humanity is a big word, but to support like the transformation of, of, of not only your own journey, but impact the transformation of other journeys in a really powerful and beautiful way. I was just going to say, that was a really long, that was a really long answer. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, that's okay. (laughs) I love it. It, It's just like, I'm just going to say that it's, it's so fascinating. It's almost like the divine was like, oh, you don't think you're worthy of teaching yoga. So I'm going to now put in all these amazing teachers and put you in these situations to remind you how, how great you are, what you do. Yeah, no, I've not thought of it that way because in some ways it was super challenging for me because, you know, I taught Pilates and I taught other like straight up exercise modalities and I had all the confidence in the world. I would, you know, I'd, I could walk into any center and be like, you should hire me and and not even flinch. And it, I didn't mean it from an egotistical way, but I remember like how confident I was. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. And yoga was the exact opposite. Oh, and wow. having all these amazing teachers, it was o- almost made the crutch even harder because I was like, why would you come to take class with me when you could take mm. class with all these other people, right? Like what could I possibly say to you 
or come up to sequence to you or whatever that could even hold a candle to what these people could give you. So that was that was kind of this uh, like Achilles heel of how do I overcome that? And the the other piece of it, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that that was probably the 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 biggest piece of it for me was how, how do like why like why should I even try? <laughs> because, <laughs> Like, look, look, whatever, if you live in LA, you can take class from any of these other people. Why would I even, why would I even try? What could I possibly, how could I possibly um, serve in any way that would be meaningful? And yoga, definitely, um, I say this a lot. Like, I think the practice of yoga, like, opened my heart, like, Mm -hmm. cracked my heart open. But, like, teaching yoga felt like... I was like reaching in to my chest, opening it up for you wow. to see everything that was inside me. And that was also very scary. <laughs> so the combination of those two things <laughs> were <Wow>. really scary. <laughs> but now yeah. I'm but now I can't imagine, you know, my life without without actually being able to share. And mm. uh, but I guess that's the journey, right? <laughs> the evolutionary journey of life. Wow. That's beautiful. And it kind of makes sense, actually. Like you said, you were so afraid to be to open up your heart. And it was like, hello, I'm going to give you all these trainings and things. Just I'm going to bring it all to you to remind you that it's OK to be vulnerable and be in a safe space. And you hold that space. And um, I wanted to ask you before I forget, actually, <laughs> um, can you like explain what the chakra system is? Because I feel like some people out there might not know what the chakras Absolutely. are about. Thank you. Absolutely. So um, the most basic way to think of the chakras is are as energy, that they're energy centers. So we have in life, right, the universe is made up of energy. This is proven by by science. It's not woo woo. (laughs) For those of you that are like, I don't know about this energy nonsense. Like everything is an energy. Everything in that universe is energy just vibrating you know, at different frequencies and densities and so forth. And so we have physical energy like that, which we can touch like our own bodies, right? And then we also have subtle energy. And the subtle energy is the best example we could, could give for subtle energy is the breath, right? We, we can't touch it. We can't hold it. We can't save it for later, but we do not deny that is there, right? It's something that is so delicate, so refined, that's almost imperceivable. And the subtle body or the subtle energy impacts what happens in the physical body or the physical energy. So the reason I say all that is the chakras, these energy centers exist on the level of the subtle, but they directly impact the physical. There's Mm -hmm seven main chakras in the body, seven main energy centers in the body that run from the base of your pelvis all the way up to the crown of the head. So they're aligned vertically within the spine. And even though they have this vertical orientation, there's no hierarchy amongst them. Each one holds its own, what I like to say, superpower, right? Its (laughs) own consciousness, its own genius. And is responsible for a myriad of different things. So each one is responsible for different areas of the physical body, different aspects of our consciousness, different aspects of our psychology. So again, each one has its own kind of assignment, you can say. 
And when we use them as this one unified map together as a system, they provide us with a a map for me is just like the easiest way to explain it, a, a map of healing, of awakening, of empowerment, of transformation. And the big key here, it's not just physical transformation. It's not just mental transformation. It's not just emotional transformation and spiritual transformation. So it's this integration, this unification, this map that unifies mind, body, heart, spirit into one whole. So I don't think there's a better system out there <laughs> that really gives us this information to um to heal and awaken on every level of being, of every level of consciousness. And to me, this has been, it's my, my, my uh, best friend jokes with me and says, I see the world through chakra colored glasses because I do, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a map of wholeness and aliveness and color and dynamic power. And um, it's such, it's such a gift that the ancient uh, rishis and yogis left us from you know, 4,000 plus ish minus plus or minus a few years ago. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Like, um, gosh, when I look back at like growing up, so I worked, um, when I was at university, I worked in a pharmacy. That's just me. Mm -hmm. Crazy self. (laughs) I was like journalist, pharmacy. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Right. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I used to not speak my truth. So my throat Mm. used to hurt a lot and I used to take a lot of like behind the counter medication like for throat pain or like coughs and colds and it was only when I started doing my inner healing in 2012 that I started to realize when I spoke my truth my throat didn't hurt I didn't have coughs but when I didn't say anything I would suppress it and in my throat Mm -hmm. chakra would be so tensed Mm -hmm. it's it's so fascinating (laughs) we have so much in common oh really (laughs) I used to um, have chronic sore throats and I used to lose my voice like I actually would physically wake up in the morning and not have a voice anymore and not because I was sick not but it was literally like I could not speak my truth I could not speak up and my literally my voice would be taken from me yeah the same with your solar plexus like they'd be so tense like my solar plexus as a child growing up was so tensed and like stressed and worried Mm -hmm. like yes because (laughs) <laughs> go sorry I didn't mean to interrupt go ahead no no it's good for it it was just like I, I grew up with this like stabbing pain in my stomach and it was like mm-hmm. they used to say it was IBS but it wasn't and again I healed that over with time mm-hmm. but it's so fascinating when you don't speak your truth or share how you're feeling how it stores in the body absolutely absolutely and you know what's so interesting about something we could say and I'm putting this in air quotes like speaking your truth because these are all like phrases we hear right now like you gotta speak your truth but like the reality of it, of, of, of actually how challenging for some people that is, because when we look at the chakra system and we're learning about each of the energy centers, we look at them one at a time, right? So that you can kind of understand and start to build a relationship with this energy is to see, oh, yes, this is what it feels like when I don't speak up or um, just starting to, to, to bring awareness, to bring consciousness to that area of the body. But in reality, just like our heart is working along with our lungs and, you know, our, our, our different systems in the body, right? We're, we can study one chakra all we want, but it's, it's the integration of the whole. 
So all seven of the chakras are communicating with each other. They're dancing and singing to each other, right? <laughs> it's not this isolated experience. So for someone to really be able to, you know, speak their truth, they first have to be, feel safe and grounded and connected and secure enough that they can mm-hmm. do that and they won't be wounded to the point of, or they won't die. Like for some people speaking up, it, it feels like death because maybe they were abused as a child mm-hmm. or something happened in their life where their silence is what kept them safe, kept them alive. Mm-hmm. So it actually starts on this most basic level. That's our first chakra of feeling safe, of feeling secure, to feeling that you have this steadiness and stability within you that you can speak up. So that's chakra one. Then we move to chakra two. And one of the things chakra two governs is the emotional body, to be in the flow and rhythm to actually feel what we feel. You mentioned before that you had some emotional blocks. So if we don't, if we're actually not in touch with how we feel, how are you going to speak up? You're not going to be able to put your feelings into words because you're, you're either disconnected from your feelings or there's confusion around them. And then we move up to the third chakra, which is our solar plexus, our power center. This is like really the courage, right? We're grounded now. We feel safe and secure. I know how I feel. Now, do I have the courage? Can I invoke the courage? Do I have the esteem in myself that no matter how I'm met based on me speaking my truth, right? No matter how this other person might respond to it, that I know I'm going to still be okay because I know that I am more than this conversation or more than these words that need to be spoken. And I'm actually speaking them for me and not that other person kind of thing. And then we move up into the heart. And then can I do this from the place? Can I do this from a place of vulnerability, right? So there's this this fusion I see of the third and fourth chakra together from the place um, I'm powerful enough, I am courageous enough, and I'm vulnerable enough right? That I can speak from my heart so that my words can land and be received by you in a way that has a chance, right? And then we move it now into the throat. And now with all this support below us, right? We have this whole structure of our energetic body holding us so that we can speak our truth and be in harmony and resonance of actually who we are to allow our words to be expressed out into the world or to another being. So it's, you know, it's so much more complicated, just the same thing. Like when you have an injury, normally a lot of times if you hurt your thumb, sometimes it's actually because something was in your shoulder, not because it was in your thumb at all, <laughs> right? <laughs> the chakras are similar in the same way too. Wow. You explained that, like, honestly, that was like the best explanation I've ever heard and it was really beautiful. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Love it's- hearing that it's just a, it's fascinating and I think I think once once you start your inner healing work like anyone out there like you'll start to understand these chakras more and you'll start to notice where the pain kind of turns up and like your head might start pounding and it's probably like reminding you to just be more self-aware it's really fascinating it's really fascinating and uh it's it's funny like you know someone said well just by like studying the chakras like is my life going to change and I said no <laughs> but it, what it what it really does is it, it awakens choice. Mm. Right? When you awaken consciousness, you awaken the uh, possibility to do something differently. 
right? When we're doing everything habitually in our life and we don't know why we do this, that, and the other, and then a light turns on, right? And it's like, then we get to choose, am I going to continue to do this habitually or am I going to choose something different? Mm -hmm. So it all boils down to, you know, what action are you, as you awaken consciousness, as you tune into consciousness, as you build an intimate relationship with consciousness at these seven distinct levels, what are you going to do with it? What is the action you're going to take? That's beautiful. Wow. I just want to ask you a few more questions. What, yes, what are your five top tips for somebody who wants to become empowered, but doesn't really know where to start? I love this question. <laughs> um, okay, so honestly, and, and some of this might sound cheesy. So what I ask of you is that you just keep an open mind when you hear these things. My, my truest opinion is it begins from the moment you wake up and you put your feet on the ground mm. and you walk into the bathroom. Cause what do we normally do? We wake up, we go to the bathroom, we look in the mirror, right? What is the, what are your very first impressions that you take in? Right? Is it, Oh my God, I look tired. Oh my God. I didn't get enough sleep. Oh my God. Look at my stomach. What it, what it initially are you, how are you meeting yourself in those moments? And in those moments, there've been all these studies that show and those we're in this like subliminal, this liminal space, right? Between sleep, sleep and awake. And it's when our, our minds are the most like, almost like programmable. So in those moments of like meeting yourself in the morning, and instead of saying, even I'm so tired, looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I have all the energy I need for my day. Or, wow, I am effing amazing. Look how beautiful I am. I mean, and again, for some people that are are like, I can't do that or that's stupid. (laughs) It makes such a difference because this is how you are setting the tone for your day. And this is what you are programming into your mind, into your energetic system, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, this is the first place of like, how do I start my day? From this place of being empowered, I feel my feet on the ground. I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I am respecting who I am and I'm honoring who I am. So maybe you look in the mirror and you say, I freaking love you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and if you don't believe it yet, just say it anyway, because your relationship will start to change, right? Mm -hmm. Just like how if you show up for a friend Versus you don't show up for a friend. How does the relationship change? Right? So it starts the moment you wake up. So I would say moment, uh, tip one, moment you wake up, how are you speaking to yourself? Look into the mirror and say something positive. Say something positive and see yourself through the eyes of love. See yourself through the eyes of beauty versus the eyes of the flaw. Okay? Number two, get in your body. And what do I mean? Get in your body. You have to move your body. I am such movement has been the thread of my life and just moving. There's moving your body every single day, no matter what it is, whether it's swimming or dancing or tennis or yoga, Pilates, whatever it is, find some kind of movement that you like. There's enough ways in which we can move. Even if you don't like exercise, you'll find something that you love. And I don't care if you do it for 10 minutes or an hour, just move your body every, every day, right? The benefits are endless, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I mean, everything. Number two, number three, start to cultivate a relationship with the divine. Mm. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) (laughs) 
start to cultivate a relationship with the divine and invite the divine in to everything you do. And this might be the most simple act of just like honoring a single breath and just feeling that as the flow of the divine coming through you. There's one of my um, favorite teachings from the Tantra tradition on breath is that when we, when we are born, that the goddess exhales into us Mm. and then we take our first breath Right. We're breathing her in. And that's when our our heart start. That's when our, you know, our lungs start to breathe on their own. And then in our last breath. Right. The, the goddess exhales out of us and life comes out of us so that our entire life is this dance with the divine on the thread of each and every breath. So it doesn't have to be going to church. It doesn't have to be anything that isn't comfortable to you but start to see the divine in things. So for me, it's a, taking my hands to my heart and taking a few breaths. I also have a practice of the first bite of food that I, if I'm making food for myself or I'm going to a restaurant, I take the first bite of food and I put it on a, on a little plate to the side. And that first, it's like a symbolic act of I'm offering that first bite up to spirit. You know, you can say a prayer over your food. What You're gonna find ways, but start to come into a relationship with the divine and see the divine as your co-creator for this Mm -hmm. life. Okay. And there's a million trillion different ways to do that. So you'll find, um, you'll find yours. Um, Meditate, meditate. Um, For me, meditation, meditation and prayer are kind of like interwoven, but there's a, um, a saying that prayer is when you talk to God and meditation is when God talks back. Mm-hmm. So there's that, you know, reciprocal um, relationship. So what, what's interesting about many of these things is that they are asking us to slow down and to savor the moment, right? And to be with the magic and the mystery, right? That That is present in every moment if we're able to slow down enough to see it. And there's something quite empowering and quite beautiful and quite deep that happens through um that process. And the, the fifth tip really is um, for, for me, everyone, everybody's a, a little, a little bit different of what tools really work for them. But the two other tools I have that um, I use on a daily basis is like reading and writing and, and writing in a way that is more of a cathartic dump. <laughs> you could say, <laughs> it's not like, Oh, I'm going to write something really beautiful right now, or I'm going to write a <laughs> prose. No, like, it's like almost like we hold so much energy inside. Like we go back to that example of the voice of, of all the words we haven't spoken. Right. And, and that energy want, it, it needs to move out. It needs to go somewhere. And instead of like calling 10 friends and telling the 10 friends, this horrible thing that happened to you today, cause you're kind of, you're giving that more and more power every time you speak it. What if you just wrote down on the page and you just poured out uncensored, you know, really the truth of whatever as this act of like, so you don't have to carry it around anymore to help you move through things faster. So for me, writing is something that gives me a lot of freedom because I'm able to release so much that I'm, that I'm holding. Um, and, and I can be as bluntly honest as possible because this writing, (laughs) no one else is going to see. Right. So you don't have to worry about, um, about like, oh, am I going to say the wrong thing or who oh, that came out wrong? So writing, and, and then I know this is six, but um, reading, 
reading books that, that, that help you in those times. Like I have times where, where, I mean, just because I've been on this yogic path for 20 years, doesn't mean I don't still have moments that still bring me to my knees. And that's part of this journey. And the, even part of the chakras, we can say like they expand our capacity so that we can hold both the joy and the terror of what it is to be a human um, at this time. And, and how, how can we actually hold all of that? And so I either, I have different spiritual books that really help me or I listen to them. Audible's amazing that when I'm just in those moments and my head is spinning and my normal things aren't working, I just put on, I, I come to the book or I come to um, just, even if I'm just doing dishes and I'll just listen to it and it just helps. And then I feel like the, the really the path of, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but I really feel like this path of, of empowerment is really just coming back to the truth of who you are. And it's clearing out all the clutter, right? And clearing out all the crap that we've accumulated um, that has, is preventing us from actually seeing through a clear lens, our mm -hmm. own reflection. And by getting in our body, we move the energy by actually acknowledging at our essence nature who we really are, which is joy, which is power, which is love, right? Which is mm -hmm. beauty, undeniably. We converse with the divine, we meditate, and, you know, we can have our different outlets for release that we are going to remember and we are going to build that unshakable trust and power within ourselves um, to be able to live the, the life that um, that we dream of and to be able to navigate the obstacles and the challenges that come along on the path. Sorry, that wow. was a lot. <laughs> That was beautiful. Honestly, that I, I know it's going to help so many people. So thank you for sharing that with everybody. That they were really powerful. <laughs> I should have warned you. I'm not. I'm not short-winded. <laughs> <laughs> we're very similar. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I've just got two quick questions for you. And, yeah, and that okay. is, what are you most grateful for? Ooh. Mm. Um. Honestly, I'm most grateful that I'm still alive. Oh. I um. Yeah. I mean, it. it there. There have been. A, a few times in my life that um, that I, I could have easily gone a different way, uh, one from from an illness and one from from my own personal journey, um, and I, I do have a practice that I do every day of like thanking my body and thanking myself for not giving up on me, even though I gave up on it, um, and it's something that still can bring me to to tears. And that I didn't honor and value. Um, wasn't that I didn't honor and value my life. I just didn't know any better in so many ways. Yeah. But um, but I didn't honor and value like the like how miraculous this body is, and how miraculous um, that it is that actually we even came into incarnated form as human beings. Like all the things that actually had to happen at the exact time for each and every one of us to be born. Yeah. Wow. And what shines your inner light? What shines my inner light? God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, um, I mean, when I feel like I am in this place of, of ser like service and in this place of like, wow, I don't know what that is moving through me. And I feel it my most powerful and my most grounded and my most clear it it's it's not even me 
you know, it's, I, I believe, I choose to believe it is the divine flowing through the vessel of me and being expressed out or the divine throwing, flowing through me and activating the unique gifts that have been bestowed upon me and then them expressing out through me. Mm, and that's why all those practices are so important because when I don't now, when I don't feel connected, when I don't feel grounded, when I don't feel open to spirit, I feel really uncomfortable. Mm. Like I feel really uncomfortable. And that's why, um, you know, people say to me all the time, like, do you really do all these practices every day? And I'm like, yes, because I need them to feel good. Like I yeah. want to feel good. And yeah. this is what I need to do to feel good. Mm. So yeah, I can commit to that. It doesn't have to be two hours. Like I can have a shortened version of everything and do it in 15 minutes. But if I have the luxury of time, it might be two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it's not. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Christy, for being on the show and just sharing your inner wisdom and just for sharing the amazing gifts that you're helping other people with and just being yourself. Thank you. Thank you. It's such an honor and a pleasure. And I, um, I want to, I have a, it's not an official podcast, but I do a weekly series on Instagram called wild woman Wednesdays. Ooh. And I would hope you would do me the great honor and be a guest for me sometime. Yes, please. Though I'm totally on that. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Because oh I want God. more time with you. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I feel like we could do like a few more episodes. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> there is so much we could share. I can feel it in my soul. I can definitely feel it. And no, honestly, thank you. It's been amazing having you in the show. And just just keep doing what you're doing because you're an amazing soul. And I can hear so much wisdom through you that you're just living your soul's truth. And it's so beautiful to hear. Thank you. Thank you. That means so much, so much. I love the the reflections of each other that we're sharing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Such a powerful interview with Christy. And it's just amazing how there were so many similarities between us growing up and just some of our interests. It's just, it's, it's absolutely, it's blown me away today. Um, But it's so true what Christy was saying about if you grow up doing a very strenuous activity or like a sport growing up and haven't learned how to, work as a team it can be quite it can later affect what a great interview with christy and wow i couldn't believe how many similarities we actually have um and yeah it was just so fascinating about sports and if you do an individual sport and what happens as you get grow older and it's just so fascinating i think it's so true that what we learn from a young age from zero to 13 is what we become and as we get older and we see these patterns it's all about unlearning patterns that have hold, held us back for years um, but yeah Christy is amazing check out her work um, you can visit the show notes at www.girdshundle.com and before I leave I want to leave you with this quote a wild woman is one of any age who feels free to express herself in every dimension of her life that's a quote by Sark take care my sisters bye and remember stay happy stay healthy stay lit lit